0: All right, here for our roundtable, and here with the usual crew, we've got uh, Kevin Corrigan, our digital editor, Mike Mills, our photo editor, Um, we've got Lindsay Westcott, our art director, and Matt Samet, our editor, myself, Kevin Riley, our associate publisher, So, usually we start these off with some spray. Does anybody have any spray to share?
1: It's so so negative when you frame it that way. I (laughs) am like, like, anything I say from now forward is going to be spray. But if, like, does anyone have any personal accomplishments to share? (laughs) I'll take personal accomplishments. No, no, I'll
2: spray, all right?
1: All right. Kevin's got spray.
2: I sent a V2 this weekend, and I'm <laughs> the best.
1: <laughs> That's spray. That's how yeah. the spray. Where was the V2?
2: So I went to Carter Lake for the first time on Saturday, uh, and it's really cool up there. It's, there were, like, three other climbers total. Uh, the problems were, like, generally shaded, and I sent this uh, V2 called the seam on the spice roof, and it was, like... 18 feet tall, I think. Uh, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it all at it at all the first time I tried it. And I am terrible at highball problems. So so I was pretty stoked when I sent it.
1: There you go. How are the rattlesnakes out there? There's probably more snakes out than people right now.
2: <laughs> uh, we didn't see any rattlesnakes. There were a lot of speed boats and, uh, and water skiers with no rattlesnakes.
1: Yeah, they love it out there. Well, watch for snakes if you go back. They definitely hang out there in the summer.
0: Good to know. Is yeah,
1: it's still standing up.
3: <laughs> What's that? that kahuna roof, that thing's been tilting over for like the last fifteen years. Oh, yeah. It's oh, probably it, in the water right now.
1: Yeah, I think it is in the summer. We didn't see it. Yeah. It might not, yeah. When the water level drops, we'll see if it's even still there. It might just be gone, like all the way into the mud. <laughs> um i have all right i have some spray I, you, I know this includes products we're testing i've been testing the um Moonboard 2019 set which mm. includes um two new sets of wooden holds Wood Holds b and Wood holds c which we'll be reviewing in the next issue of climbing uh and it's been a universally universally beloved by everyone who, who's 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 done it there's a i have a grasshopper wall in my garage and a decimal climbing wall and i have the 2017 Moonboard set on it um and we climbed on it for a year and the holds are getting pretty greasy. So i would taken them off at 2016 up for a while and then got 2019, but it's 40% wood. And Oof. unlike, yeah, but it's good wood. At, um, unlike 2017, where a lot of the, all the wood holes were pretty small. You had to be climbing like B8 and up probably to use them. Uh, these are big, it was like great open, handy, pinchy things. There's these cool like bananas and boomerangs. Uh, it still has the old wood set. And then there's also the whites, blacks, and yellows in there. But it's really, really good. And I think it allows for, um, well, at least for me, I have really hard, slick skin. I have people sticking to plastic holds, And I think the wood is a lot better. Even on, on days where I'm dry-firing, I dry-fire a lot less. And it lets you train, too, when your skin's already thin. So uh, uh, 100% A+. plus, are very good.
2: So the, uh, does the new set replace one of the old sets, or is it additional?
1: Um, So you can have any set on a wall at any given time, you know, you get a PDF that lists the hold sets. So it was 2016, 2017, and 2019, and each one of those pulls from different hold sets. So basically, like, at any given time, you won't have all the moon holds on the wall. There's 198 spaces for holds. So in a way, this sort of takes 2017, and it takes away all the reds, and then kind of adds in all the all the new wood it'd be one way to look at it but it doesn't use all the whites yellows and blacks that were on 2017. you know it uses a different different parts of those sets
0: cool well my spray is i got engaged this weekend Um, (laughs) and it's had me thinking a lot about uh you know dating or marrying a fellow climber or a non-climber and which is better i know there's a lot of uh you know different opinions on this but i would love to hear your own thoughts on whether dating a climber a fellow climber is good or a bad thing or if you're indifferent uh, so,
4: what's
0: that? is your fiance a climber or no kevin no, no climber, and just to be upfront, I try not to date climbers, that's my opinion. Oh, really?
1: No policy. Okay, yeah. Huh.
0: Any opinions out there, like, mike, mike Lindley? <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I would say, from my point of view, just me, I'm pretty obsessed with climbing. I couldn't imagine anyone being with me if they're. Yeah, okay. They weren't a climber too. To be honest, that sounds kind of rough. Um, so I would say it's probably important for me just because it's so much of my life, and it's nice to share things with it. If I was a more casual climber, or if I did anything but climbing and work, maybe that would I would have a different point of view. But yeah, kind of prerequisite for me. At least this point in my life.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty similarly, like, I have dated people in the past that were, like, casual climbers or non-climbers, and it's just, like, hard for them to understand, like, the importance of consistency in climbing, I think, um, and I feel that frustrating, but now, like, dating someone who is so devoted to climbing, it's, like, nice to have those weekends together and like sharing projects you know, and really supporting and being psyched
0: together. Are there ever difficulties in deciding, you know, your weekend climbing plan because of different objectives or different projects in different areas? Does that ever become an issue?
3: I, I don't think so, generally. I mean, there's a lot of days in the week. So, you can kind of pick and choose where it's just a it's just a give and take. So want to go one place one weekend, then flop the other weekend or might be dictated by conditions or time. I think I don't think that really affects my point of view on it. So I think there's always a way to compromise. Do
2: you okay. both have a, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Lindsay. I
4: was going to say, I could see after a few years, like once you've both maybe like sent a lot of projects and like had that teamwork together, you might get to a point where you need to have like so many other partners so that you can also have projects in different areas. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's all about like teamwork. I'm just getting, you know, like maybe trying to send maybe off. All- or this weekend, or whatever, like it's, it's still a partnership, even if it's in a relationship or a relationship.
2: I, I'm curious do, do both of you have pursued climbing in like a pretty similar way? Like, are you both sport climbers? Or
4: that's an interesting question. Mike used to be like all bouldering, and I was much more of a sport climber, and then I feel like we kind of swapped like he now sport climbs, but in the gym a lot. But I still sport climb a lot. I don't know. What do you
3: think? I think it's a product of where I live. Um, so I grew up climbing in the Gunks, and I was mainly a track climber until it got too scary. Um, and then I switched to bouldering The bouldering was good there, moved to Colorado. I think I might get catch some plot for this, but I think there's more quality bouldering in Colorado, at least park-wise, than there is sport climbing. Um, I know the rifle pitchforks are coming out right now as I'm talking, but I think my experience, I enjoyed the bouldering a lot more than I did the sport climbing in Colorado. And now that I live in Wyoming, um, I enjoy the sport climbing a lot more than I do the bouldering. It's like yeah, there's great sport routes in Waco, but I don't go to Waco to no go sport climbing. Um, and now I live in Lander, really good sport, so it's kind of hard to throw that out of the bus and embrace it. So I used to live in Laramie, and Needham was my home crack, and I spent all my time bouldering, and I should have been crack climbing.
0: So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what about you, Matt?
1: Oh, God. Um... I don't know I don't have a policy per se but because I'm off climbing all the time back when I was dating it was always easier for me to date someone who was like either really you guys still there yeah you losing me
0: no well I I think I might have lost
1: my connection so but I'm back can you hear me yeah yeah Oh, I don't know I mean so I don't know what I was saying. I've been married for like ten or eleven years now or something like that. And um uh, my wife, I met her through the magazine. She was a writer and she she's always climbed, but it's never been like her main thing. It's just one of many things she does. And she actually seems to prefer gym climbing. Um so we used to climb outside a lot together and then we had kids, and I think we've climbed outside together once since that happened. Um But she still goes to the gym. I still go to the gym. Every now and then we'll go to the gym together, but it's pretty rare. So I think it's important, kind of like Mike said, like I couldn't, I don't care if the person I'm with climbs or not, but they have to understand that I'm going to be coming home at like 9 or 10 at night like climbing, you know, otherwise it's just not a starter. So that's that's my philosophy. (laughs) And what an opportunity, I tell you.
0: (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I started dating my now wife five years before I started climbing, so I, I've never had to think about this.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right. Oh, well,
0: great. Um, let's move on. So, you know, one of the uh, big thing that's happened in the climbing community over the last week, and it's actually... You know been happening longer than that but it looks like it finally came to fruition is changing the name of the slavery wall up in tensleep and it seems like a lot of climbing organizations um are taking a closer look at crag names route names and um specifically those that are offensive to others um and Mountain Project, after uh, the local developers decided to change the name, have changed the name on um, Mountain Project. And that's also caused a little bit of controversy uh, there. But um, I know, Matt, you've been working on an article about this.
1: Um, so Corey Bluhei, who freelances for us, has um, been working on that article. And she actually started the article. She pitched it to me months month ago, and she started researching it. Um, Probably two months ago, sort of before George Floyd was murdered and before the protests and before kind of the big wave of push for social change we're seeing. Um, so it'll be out in 374, our next issue that we're working on now in the Talk of the Crag News, which is on sale uh, late August. Um, you know, but she, she she was digging around at the same time all this happened. But I think that wall, you know, Tent Sleep is a really popular area, and that wall was problematic because. The assumption was that the wall was named after slavery right enslavement of, of africans who were brought to america uh, after it was colonized um, you know so the article um gets into it more but basically the wall was named for a nine inch nail song happiness in slavery which is inspired by the story of "O," which is this french erotic book from some time ago you know it's obscure it's literary It was put up like in the 90s when Nine Inch Nails was a bigger band, Um, but but then I think other people who developed on that wall didn't necessarily get the reference, and so some of the names on the wall were, um, you know, uh, it was like Aunt Jemima's Bisquick Underdome and then 40 Acres and a Mule, which was a reference to, um, to slaves who served. African Americans who served on the side of the Union in the Civil War were promised forty acres and a mule, oh. never got it. And so, so these names, you know, on the, on the surface, were problematic. The developers had a story behind them. There's a backstory, but obviously, if you have to go into this whole long story to explain why your name isn't racist, even if it sounds racist, uh, I mean, the Antrim my one, I, I, yeah, don't I don't think there's any justification for yeah, on that. One. Yeah, I can't think of how you could justify that. Um, so anyway, like the guys up in Ten Sleep, uh, Aaron Huey, who's written guidebooks for years, Huey Anderson who has his own guidebook. You know, very quickly posted a social media statement to um, change the names and their subsequent editions of the guidebook. I think the Ten Sleep guidebook I saw this morning on social media, Tent Sleep guidebook, the new one's out now. And I think Aaron, Huey was giving, giving away for free. Um, and then, you know, Mountain Project picked that up as well. But Corey's story goes a lot more into not just those names but other problematic names like all the names from waco tanks that were in john sherman's first guidebook from the early 90s a lot of um, you know kind of x-rated r-rated and x-rated names um that, that people have also had, had trouble with so anyway that that's what we have coming up in print i, I don't know obviously there's been a lot of online discussion too i'm sure everyone's seen. Yeah,
0: I wonder, you know, how necessary it is to get sign-off from the original first ascensionist, or if the community should just be able to rename them on their own. Now, I feel like, you know, climbing is known for, for the history of climbs, and people love the history of rock climbing. It's such a big part of the sport, but when, you know, route names are offensive and hurt others, you know, where does that cross the line? You know, at which point should we just start naming names as a community and not really worry about the first ascensionist or you know, what their motives were when naming
1: it? I mean, one post, Nina Williams has posted a lot about this. And she actually did so a while ago, too, because this has flared up in the past. And I think he's done a very good job of dissecting the nuances of it, which is, is the name merely offensive or is it harmful? And I think that's something that hasn't been brought into the discussion as much as it should be. Um, you know, because you can annoy a really pee pee cock a doo doo, and someone will be like, Well, that's really offensive. I don't like to hear those words. I don't want my kid to learn those words. But does it hurt anyone? Probably not. You know, whereas a name like, you know, Aunt Jemima's Biz Thunderdome is sort of trading on tropes and stereotypes. and syrup brand that, you know, is based on this, this racial stereotype, you know, the harm. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's, that's the question, right? If it's going to be changed by the community because the First Ascension is resistant or no longer climbing or is deceased, maybe that should be the standard. I, I don't know. I, what do you guys think? I,
2: I think, you know, we're still at a point in the sport so. where it hasn't been around so long that that many First Ascensionists are deceased, that these routes haven't gone in, up so far in the past that these people aren't around. Uh, but we're going to get there. I mean, in 50 years, like who's going to be in charge of these routes? So since they're all on public land, I'd like us to get to a place where the local climbing organizations are taking more of a leadership role in the ownership of these routes, I guess.
3: Yeah, I would say. I mean, certainly, if the first sentence is still alive, I mean, that would. And or if they do reach out to them, I would think you should at least offer them the chance to right or wrong or whatever, whatever that may be. Um, I mean, it's not unheard of for people, even predating just offensive, um, damaging names for things to get renamed. So, like old aid lines. Getting renamed when they go up when they when they're free um, or like realization or something like that They put an extension on it make the longer line and call it something new. I mean we've renamed things in the past before um, and this seems like a better reason to rename things than something like that. So I I, I say first ascension is yeah give them first stab at it but I mean at some level I think it should be. A, Perhaps the guidebook for authors, because they're the ones passing down the knowledge and selling it, so they're selling the knowledge. Um, maybe that's not always the case, but if you're putting something out for profit, um, you should probably think how you're profiting on things. So
1: maybe that's my two cents. Lindsay, you have any thoughts? Oh, some of your audio is not.
4: Sorry, it was echoing. So I muted myself. Um, I don't have specific thoughts on like who should be responsible for renaming, but I do think that we as a community like shouldn't be naming new routes offensive or um, even like sexist um, route names anymore. Uh, so there are times that I'll be at a crag that I like, read things in a guidebook, and I'm just I wish they didn't name it that. Um, But I can't imagine how it feels to people that are seeing this, too. I just know it needs to be addressed.
1: I mean, it's interesting. This has been around. I've been climbing forever. And I remember in the 80s picking up a copy of Mountain Magazine. You know, this is before the internet. So everything was played out in letters. Someone had put up a route in the UK called Five years in a Gas Chamber. And you know, they report on new routes and mountains. There are a lot of letters. Yeah, this was like a long, long time ago. So climbers have been talking about this stuff forever. I mean, climbers have been doing inappropriate names forever and, and talking about it forever. But now I think, I don't know, it's encouraging to see that there's more consciousness about it and, and willingness to to change names. I mean, I guess the question becomes. If the name has changed, who renamed it? The first ascensionist or the community? You know who? I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it necessarily matters, but I, mean, I just speaking for myself, I put up a ton of roots. I wouldn't want to go back and rename them all. I just don't care. I mean, if someone doesn't like them, it's like you gotta come up with the name. It's you know, you're just sort of slapping a name on a piece of rock and moving on.
0: Yeah, to me, this seems like a perfect opportunity for local climbing organizations to step in and become the voice for the community. Um, And then that way, not one individual or group of individuals is responsible and, you know, it doesn't end up taking the slack when it becomes, um, you know, dramatic or, you know, there's any drama that arises from it. So... You know, I'm on the board of the BCC and, and one internal conversation we've been having is, you know, what is our role in the community? Is it just to make sure climbing areas stay open and do trail work or do we have more of a responsibility to service the community and bring the community together? And I think it's the latter. I think, you know. A climbing organization should be uh, responsible for trying to keep areas open and, and keep them safe, but also to make climbing areas safe for all individuals and for all individuals to feel included. So uh, for me, I hope this you know starts a conversation within all local organizations across the country. To you know, start looking at the problems and see if some of them need be addressed, and then just to elevate that conversation to their community. Um, you know, that's that's my opinion. I, I think in a lot of
2: situations, these local climbing organizations are already, you know, they're taking a stewardship role in making these crags accessible by doing trail work. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're doing bolt and anchor replacement to make the route safe. They're doing advocacy work to keep trails open. Uh, I feel like making route names that are acceptable to the community is kind of another extension of stewardship.
0: Great. Um, well, does anybody else have anything else to add, or should we move on to guest, That Graham? I'll take that as we're moving on. Okay. Well, um, okay, we're going to start with That, Graham. And the first question is a great segue to uh, the conversation we were having. So um, we'll just start off with question number one. And here it is Fuck you, Mountain Project. Fuck you, little dick. for suppressing freedom of speech, you allow your administrators to t- troll like Slim, but not the public. Shame on you. Hypocritical losers. Stickers available soon. And uh, just so you know, the stickers say Mountain Project sucks.
1: On Instagram, someone posted this? They didn't put this on Mountain Project? Yeah, they put it on Instagram. Usually, like they're so lazy, they don't even leave Mountain Project to post that shit. Yeah, like, I would have
2: guessed like, any of the classic trolls like Tradaban yeah. or something. Yeah, I was going to say
1: it's Trataban, but maybe he has to <laughs> figure out how to sign <laughs> into Instagram this somehow.
0: person mentioned in the comments that they had been banned from Mountain Project. So I think it was uh, the yeah, platform- yeah, I mean They seem like a really
1: great, reasonable <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking- so,
0: um, This individual <laughs> does not put his personal name, so I uh... I've just left it with uh, the handle. So, is it bomber timing yeah. needs gumbies, whippers, and zippers, or adventure bomb?
1: <laughs> yeah, you must have gone deep into Instagram to find this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. this I don't know any of awesome those awesome. accounts. Can I guess the mountain project handle? Anonymous <laughs> Tower or whatever they. <laughs> yeah. are? Isn't it?
0: <laughs> so um so mike well uh, well first uh well yeah we'll start with you mike do you have a guess here i don't know flip a coin what what was the gumby one so there's gumby's whippers and zippers bomber climbing memes or adventure bum adventure bum but with van in there well, i'm gonna go
3: adv- adventure bum so. okay it seems like one person, not like a bunch of friends, making memes in the woods.
0: Yeah. What about you, Lindsay?
4: I'm gonna go with the Gumby one.
1: Okay. And Sam? I'll go with the Gumby's one. It seems like it yeah. strikes that right tone of hostility and <laughs> elitism.
0: Yeah. What about you, Kevin Corrigan?
2: Uh, I'll go with the one no one's guessed yet, just to just to make it a good competition. <laughs>
0: Right. Right. well you guys should have gone with mike because uh it was the adventure bomb oh. um make sure you to def- make sure you follow them because uh they got those stickers coming out soon. <laughs> they, got, they got some good
1: hot takes adventure bomb yeah do they, do they have anything else to offer other than the hate mountain project or is that sort of the whole thing
2: I think they were in Regram at some point. They sound familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah that that uh, profiles all the way, uh, always on my feed. He post he or she posts a lot.
1: Mm. Rock liquor based in Zion. Yeah. Okay. This person makes backpacks. Uh.
0: Yeah, they have a backpack company that was in, I believe, Wisconsin, and now just moved to Boulder. Oh uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Make it boulder great again. Okay, we'll move on to question two. Okay. I want uh yeah. Um I want to admit a past mistake that I have made. Ten years ago I, I was wrapped up and recited <laughs> that that it. Thing. It was filmed and put into a video on YouTube called yeah, The Game, that one too, which too. is deleted. It was an ignorant, dumb, and and uneducated of me to say that word. I should have known better. I'm deeply sorry for those who were hurt by my use of the word, friends I let down, and anyone that I offended, especially in the black community. I am 100% against racism, hatred, and bigotry. I'm accountable for my past actions. I messed up and feel feel ill inside for it." Okay, I'm not gonna name them all, because who wants, you can do the three points if you can guess it without any clues. But if you guess it wrong, you lose a point. Corrigan, are you guessing it?
3: I'm guessing. I know it is.
1: Lindsay, are you
0: guessing it? Yeah.
1: Sounds like we all do. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we're all guessing it. (laughs) On the count of three. (laughs) It's Daniel Woods. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, you guys all get three points. Good job. Yeah. Did anybody follow the comments on that one?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Pretty yeah.
0: interesting. So, what it was. should we applaud Daniel Woods for? You know, kind of proactively coming out and, and taking on the the masses, or you know, should he have you known better?
1: I mean, the video was ten years old. You know, it's not a word you should use, but they were rapping along their Wu Tang song, right? Yeah. The Bhutan doesn't use the hard ER. I, I don't know. The whole thing came about because with that power company climbing guy, Chris. Chris Hampton, Odo. Yeah, he found the video and and outed Daniel. So I I don't know.
2: I mean, how old is Daniel now?
1: Thirty.
2: Yeah, he's thirty. 30. So he's twenty. He's pretty young when this happened. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say that, like, makes it okay or anything. I'm just saying, like, most people do dumb shit when they're pretty young. So I don't think he should be uh, canceled or anything over it.
0: (laughs) He's admitting his mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I kind of applaud him. I think it's going to take people admitting to their mistakes to make any progress. If we all just kind of pretend that we're all saints... And don't make mistakes. There's you know, we're not gonna be moving forward. So
1: what about other climbers rooting around the web for every past mistake you've made and then outing it to the public? I mean, I to to me, I I would personally take issue with that. I just feel like like he contacted Daniel's sponsors, like is this is this a healthy thing to do? You know, what the healthy thing to do to be hey, approach Daniel directly, hey man, I saw this video, it's 10 years old. I don't know if you're aware, the video's still up, but in it you say this very problematic word. You might want to take a public stance. Would that be a healthier approach?
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah.
1: It seems a little slimy to me to slime someone like that. I mean, straight up, I don't, I don't think that was great. I think Daniel's response was very good, but I don't, I don't think that the way it was at least presented as how as how Chris Hampton presented the events. I don't, I don't think that was necessarily fair.
0: And did he post about it,
1: Chris? Mm-hmm. Is a podcast about it? I uh, talked oh,
0: podcast. Yeah. I don't listen to that podcast. Yeah, I don't think publicly shaming anybody helps anybody. You know, especially the person that's involved. You know, I think, like you said, Matt, you could do that privately and ask Daniel to take it down. And if he wanted to come out publicly,
1: yeah, uh,
0: exactly.
2: But I think people deserve the chance to grow and improve and redeem themselves. Uh, especially for something that happened so long ago when he was so young.
0: Yeah. All right, so uh, Mike is in the lead by a point. Moving on to question number three. The time I have spent in Yosemite really shaped my life as a climber, photographer, and filmmaker. It was in Yosemite that I took my first published photographs, met many of my best friends and mentors, and shot two covers for National Geographic. Anybody? I'll guess. Okay. Corrigan's going to guess. Any other guesses out there? Okay. So is it Brett Lowell, Tim Kempel, or Jimmy Chin?
1: Uh, my guess would be wrong. So.
0: Okay. Well, um.
1: Are, are we just yelling them
3: out? Or no.
0: Understand? So Kevin's guessing. So, but yeah, we'll start with you, Mike. Who do you think it
1: is? Oh, I'm Jimmy.
0: OK. And Lindsay.
4: I think Jimmy Chin.
1: Matt? Well, I was going to guess Corey Rich, but he's not on that list, so <laughs> therefore I'm wrong. Well, you weren't going to take the guess. You
0: want, you I did.
1: I raised my hand. as oh. it was, I'm being honest here.
0: You, that is honest of you. <laughs> Kevin Morgan? Yeah.
1: Well, you already read the option, so.
0: <laughs> well, did you already have it? Did you know I was
2: going to say Jimmy Chin, but.
0: OK. I'm giving it to you. you. You should have wrote it down, but not our <laughs> system. Okay, well that puts Kevin Corrigan in first with six points, Mike in second with five, Lindsay in third with four, Matt all in behind with two. Yeah, sorry. Plenty of time here. Okay, question number four. Trans joy education parenting is resistance. You are so worthy. Photo of Brie, she/her during her AMGA single pitch instructor course. I'm guessing nobody has a guess here. What was the first sentence again? Trans joy. So is it Elena Aranz, Irene Yi, or Amica Bernhardt? And we'll start with Kevin Corrigan. We'll go Irene Yi. Okay. And Matt. I'll say Irene Yee. Okay. Lindsay?
4: I also think Irene.
0: Okay, and Mike? Add me on the list. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys were all right. That one was a little too easy with the guesses, but
1: Yeah, when you said when she says for photo, you know, like, well, it's a photographer.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this one's a little bit harder. I guess we'll see, though. Cowabunga. It's howdy doody. It's a howdy-doody term that surfers adapted and use when describing something mega. It's the first thought I had when I saw this cliff of limestone that Jonathan Seagrits recently showed me. Can you spot Jonathan hanging from a rope? Anybody have any guess the...
1: I'll, I'll guess.
0: OK, so Matt's going to guess. Um, and we'll put you on the honor system here. Is he the only one? Sounds like it. OK, so is it Alex Honnold, Randy Levitt, or Andy Rather And we'll start with Mike this time.
3: I'm going to go with Rather.
0: OK, and uh, Lindsay?
4: I uh,
0: love
2: it I don't know okay and Corrigan I guess I'm gonna go with Honnold but just because I know they
1: both live in Vegas
0: <laughs> okay and what about you Matt who did you think it was
1: well I'm realizing now that I'm wrong but my guess <laughs> Honold, but I realized I saw the post and it wasn't Honnold correct <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was not Honolulu. Honolulu would never use the word Kalabunga.
1: No, it was Randy Levitt because he's a surfer, too.
0: Exactly.
1: So, no, I totally saw that post. I, did, I just, I'm old. Memory, senility.
0: Okay. Well, after five questions, Kevin Corrigan wins with eight points. That's quite the score there, Kevin. Uh, Mike Mills and Lindsay tied at six, and Matt, two points. <laughs> pretty low on the bar there
1: yeah you know, i know i'll look at more instagram or something
0: yeah more time on instagram more
1: time on instagram
2: i making a way home. to rest in between moonboard burns yeah there you go, there you go.
0: <laughs> all right thank you guys for playing um and then now we got a uh, news with kevin corrigan
2: yeah. So uh, one interesting piece of news that just came out is the IFSC has announced that they're going to resume the 2020 World Cup season. Uh, the first event will be in Brian Briançon, I think that's how you pronounce it, oh, in yeah. France. In France, uh, at the end of August, they have some new regulations in place, uh, mainly regarding the. Uh, whatever it's called, the isolation area where climbers hang out in between the rounds. They're going to have to have a certain amount of space allowed for everyone. Uh, there's going to be no public warm-up wall for people to use.
1: Uh,
2: and there's a lot of rules regarding like towels and sweat management. And then competitors in lead are going to have to use their own ropes. That's a new thing. Blayers are going to have to uh, sanitize their belay devices in between climbers. And um, what else? Uh, in bouldering, there's going to be no more official competition brushers. Climbers are going to have to brush their own holds.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> uh,
2: and, and then one thing I thought was pretty interesting is that they're not going to have a an overall standing for the 2020 season because they're uh, trying to account for climbers that either aren't able to or don't feel comfortable traveling to these events which i thought
1: was a a good measure what about the crowds the audience uh
2: i so the ifsc document says they're going to leave it up to the the hosts of each event and i haven't seen anything yet that that says anything either way for any of the coming events so i'm curious i mean it it seems like a pretty questionable idea to have a big crowd for an event like that
1: i mean it worked well for donald trump and (laughs)
2: yeah and you know these events tend to vary with whether they're indoors or outdoors so maybe that'll be a factor
0: yeah it seems like moving to like fully outdoor venues would be the way to go yeah for sure obviously that's a lot more difficult when you have to construct walls at every event they're they're usually doing that anyway yeah good a lot of them
2: for sure Mm mm-hmm there are rules about, uh, you know, all the belayers and support people have to have masks. The climbers don't have to have masks during the event. Interestingly, during the award ceremony, uh, like the the podium, the climbers are not allowed to have masks on. Huh. Not allowed to? What do you say, Matt?
1: that they're not allowed to. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. What about speed climbing?
2: Uh, no masks during speed climbing oh
1: but they're so sweaty they're just going to be spraying covid sweat all over the walls. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's like a mister that's just spraying disinfectant, like down the wall
2: well one thing i thought was interesting is that so many of these regulations they put out had to do with like using a towel on anything you sit on and things that seem specific to sweat but uh it seems like the things we've learned more recently show that sweat isn't really a risk factor
1: yeah right it's airborne right
0: and what about testing did they mention testing
2: they're going to be doing temperature checks uh leading up to the event i don't think they're going to be specifically testing people for covid i'd have to reread that i wasn't clear on that
0: I mean, it just seems like in every other sport, we've seen like little micro outbreaks among teammates. And it'll be interesting. Obviously, climbing's a little bit more of an individual sport. Um, but I have to imagine, you know, these competitors are going to be so close to each other that there's a chance that they're going to be spreading it. And yeah.
3: National, so taking it back to your own country with you, I guess, so instead of a small team getting it, flying everyone around.
1: Yeah, I mean, U.S. athletes won't be allowed to compete, right? The EU is not going to let us in because there's so much of the virus here in the U.S. Anyway, well, so
2: one of the events is supposed to be in Salt Lake City. I think the second or third event on the calendar. I was surprised
1: about oh. that. Oh wow! Interesting. What yeah. about liquid chalk? Would people have to use liquid chalk at all? Or is that not part of the?
2: It wasn't mentioned on the document. I think the the travel is kind of it seems like the biggest challenge out of everything because a lot of the U.S. team sports that are reopening, they're like putting all of the competitors in a in a bubble. Like uh, I don't I don't remember which sport it is, but like everyone has to stay in this one hotel facility, and then they're. The NBA. Yeah, competing in the same stadium—they're trying to keep it really contained, but that's not possible when you have to fly across the world.
1: Yeah, yeah good point. Mm. People were recommending
3: like quarantine after big travel. I mean, obviously that's—I yep. can't—I don't know. Maybe folks are going to be flying over from France or wherever and quarantine for two weeks and then competing,
1: but that doesn't seem likely just stay in a hotel room for two weeks, then come out with <laughs> climb in two weeks and compete. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd be very rested.
0: I wonder if there's a solution that's similar to like the moon board where you have a standardized wall and they put up routes and every country has to put up a wall, put up the same route, mm. and everybody competes at the same time.
1: I mean they do that with those moon board masters comps. Maybe they should just turn the World Cup into moon, more moon board masters, you know? Just like here you go, you know, find your moon board, sanitize it, and we're gonna try this one.
2: It's pretty interesting.
1: you have I mean, to have uh, You'd
2: have to have some way of preventing people from like Tilting the board
1: and then tilting their camera. <laughs> come a little bit back from that 40 degrees. Yeah. It's like 36, 36, It's pretty close. Yeah. Turning the holes just a little bit so you get them just how you want them. Or like filing it out so it's a little more positive. Right. Yeah. File it out. That's true. That's true. It would have to be on the honor system. Yeah. I don't know. And then the lead climbing. How do you do lead climbing on a moonboard? You can hang quick draws. You know, you could be like those <laughs> hang quick draws on their home walls. <laughs> if you. Be- be like up and down links where you have to clip. You know, yeah, yeah. And you climb the moonboard. That's 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 gonna be rough. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be really rough. I don't
2: know. What, what do you guys think? If you were an IFSC competitor, would you be, would you be itching to get back into these comps?
3: I mean, prop. I mean, if it was, if it's your livelihood, if that's your profession, if you're a pro climber, then. Maybe, but I mean, just because you want to do responsible things, it's kind of a lot of people want to do a lot of things, and I don't know if you're like from like a COVID hotspot and you're like exposed to it or something. Maybe you shouldn't fly across the country, but who knows? So it's hard to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. Um, who knows? I like the midboard thing though. So that only sounds bouldering. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think I would be really bummed out and would want to try to compete at any cost. You know, if I was a professional athlete and you know, these were you know, my prime years, of course I'd want to get out there. And would especially since they say that COVID really, you know, only impacts, you know, an older demographic I would probably say well you know I might get it but it's not that bad right
1: feel I like I'm go home. And that's that's the spirit <laughs> yeah <laughs> looking out for number one it's-
0: <laughs> yeah but I don't like indoor climbing so I'd rather just go find <laughs>
2: I mean, these these to get to the point where you're competing in these events, you're dedicating your entire life to this. So I can see how you'd be more, probably more prone to being willing to take that risk.
1: I mean, yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, like rock gems are pretty much open ubiquitously now too. You know, with masks and measures and reservations and stuff and it doesn't seem like I mean I haven't seen anything about it, but it doesn't seem like there's been a huge uptick in coronavirus cases and climbers because of it. So it seems like these venues would be no more or less risky than local rock to So I think it's as as Kevin Riley pointed out, maybe travel is sort of the riskiest thing in a way. You know? But the actual venue it sounds like they have plans for managing it. You know, if they can.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean in all the I mean they're playing soccer right
3: now, so soccer is back on. I, mean, yeah, seems, I think so. That seems more of contacty close. I mean, you're interacting with a lot more people than climbing would be. I mean, who knows? So I mean, if that's if that's going okay and that's working, I mean, it seems like something like climbing would be right. I mean, and certainly in finals, semifinals. I mean, there would be less people climbing the roofs than two soccer teams. So. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean,
2: lead, you're never going to be near someone else. Bouldering uh, finals, they only have one person on the wall at once. So at least during the competition part, I don't think that's particularly a risk. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe this will be a good reason for them to up the quality of the live stream so that they don't have to have as many spectators there more people can watch online.
2: Yeah, the IFSC FSC does usually have... Pretty solid live streams today I, I will give them credit for that
1: yeah. i mean maybe the warm-up is you have to bring your own hangboard you know like people do to the boulders oh, they, the
2: they actually specifically called out in the in the regulations that you could do that
1: oh really oh well, there you go there you go That's way, <laughs> one not one way not to touch the shirt at all you have your own little warm-up hangboard board off you go you know there's only one kid that brings his own moon board and rolls it down <laughs> like on a like on a bobcat or a front loader or something (laughs) in the isolation room
0: (laughs) cool well uh you know we're almost coming up to the hour there so we'll uh we'll cut it here but thank you all for joining and see you next month cool
1: thanks kevin